for you this morning, and we thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for Father's Day and an opportunity to honor those that serve in that most sacred position of Father. Yet, Lord, most of all, we ask that you would direct our attention to our Heavenly Father, that you would work in each of our hearts and lives today, that we would humble ourselves in your presence, that we would lift up your name. And, Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Chapter 15, a very familiar passage to many of us today. But I would like us to take time to read the entire story, starting in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son. And, of course, we always are focused upon the prodigal son. That's the name of the story. But I want to challenge you, especially on today, Father's Day, that the son was not the center of the story. The father was. Uh, And uh, I want us to read this story. This is a parable, a story that Jesus used to illustrate a truth and pray that we'll be able to be blessed by the truths that he illustrated in this story. Verse 11, and, a cert- and he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard the music and dancing. And he, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, Thy brother is come, thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. 
And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I love the story of the prodigal son. But I want to challenge you and and myself today that the first thing we think about when we think about the prodigal son is we think about all the wicked things that the younger son had done and how that he repented of his sins and he came home. and, And certainly that was a message, part of the message that Jesus was trying to bring forth. But it was by no means the whole of the message. I want us to take a few minutes and be introduced to the principal characters here so we can understand what Jesus is doing. The, the first one, we've already talked about him. He's the one that we center on. And uh, just for the sake of our sermon today, we're going to call him the waster. We don't have his name, but it says he wasted his substance in riotous living. And since we don't have a name, we're not going to pick out somebody's name. We're just just going to call him the waster. He was given things and he wasted them. You'll notice that he was the one that started this whole proceeding here by going to his father. And he said, Father, I want, I want the portion of thy goods that cometh to me. He said, I know you're still alive. He said, but I I would like my inheritance now. Well, that's pretty brash now, isn't it? I mean, for any young man to come to his father while he's still living and say, I want to make like you're dead. Isn't that what he said? It's pretty rude, inconsiderate, arrogant. I mean, we could just go through a whole list of things, could we not? But I I want you to know that the sins that the young man were about to commit were not his greatest problems or his greatest sin. It was the fact that in his heart he had already rejected the love and the direction of his father. He was one of those young people that wanted to be free. Now, if you were one like that, don't raise your hand, but New York City's full of people who want to be free. I'm going to leave all the rules. I'm going to do what I, what I want to do. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to be famous. And What is the... Uh, phrase that they often use. There's a light on Broadway for every broken heart of someone who tried to get there. I wish there was only one 
heart for each light on Broadway, but I'll tell you what, there's more hearts that have been broken than there are lights. The waster. The man that went to his father, he was seeking freedom. He wanted to experience life. He wanted to have everything that life had to offer, and he knew that there was a way to get it. He was not as wicked as some people are. He had no intentions of helping his father die early or any of these things. He, he just, knowing the character of his father, he went to his father and he said, Father, I want my inheritance now. And the strangest thing was his father gave it to him. Now, what did the waster do? It says he gathered all. Now, you and I, when we think of finances, we think of pictures of dead presidents, right? Uh, We think of money. We think of checks. Sometimes if you're a little more well-off or have family that have invested, you might think of stocks and bonds and, and, uh, you know, some people are saving up hard currency and silver and gold. But uh, his hard currency went bad. I mean, there was animals attached to the, the wealth that was given to him. There may have even been a, a portion of land that had been deeded to him and, and his, fa- his family that he would produce so that they could raise crops and support themselves. These things were given to this young man. And it says that he gathered all. And in order for him to do what he had to do, he had to liquidate everything. Now, I don't know if anyone here has had to worry about that kind of things, but sometimes uh, uh, when a person passes away, they have all their assets and and they need to be, rather than they're not being passed on, the family decides that they just want the uh, cash value. Things have to be turned into money. That takes time, unless you're desperate. Then you sell everything below its actual value so you can get the money right away. You make them a good deal, and I'm sure that that was the waster's idea. He probably wasted more of his inheritance turning it into cash than he did spending it on the sinful things. Again, I want you to understand, we look at the riotous living and we say, this was the great sins of the waster. I want to tell you the greatest waste that he had made was not accepting the love and the direction of his father. That the second greatest waste that he made was in the disposition of his inheritance so that he could gain something that he could spend from it. If you've ever bought a new car, one of the reasons I never have, is you drive off the showroom floor and you lose 25 to 40% of the value of the vehicle. I can't stand it. 
Let somebody else lose that 30, 40%. I'll buy it used. It's just the way I am. The waster had no problem wasting. He wasn't worried about the real value because he already had chosen the value of pleasure that he could get from the monetary value that he could wring out of those things. So he gathered all. He liquidated it. He made it safely to the far country. You ever wonder why he went to a far country? He wanted to be out of the influence of the love and direction of his father. He wanted to go to a place where nobody knew who he was. Boy, I'll tell you what, we could probably have people raise their hands and say, that's why I came to this city. I wanted to escape. I wanted to get away from everybody and everything. I wanted to realize who I could be. Let me tell you, before you get there, you're going to waste the most valuable things in your possession. That's what the waster did. He then proceeds to waste the monetary gain that he had gotten from his inheritance. And when he ran out of money, it says there was a famine. In a famine, things that are worthless all of a sudden have value. And things that have value are all of a sudden worthless. Can you eat gold? Hmm? Can you live off of the finest of the foods and the wines and things? I know there are people out there that have tried, but you can't live off beer no matter what you want to do. You got to have real food. All of a sudden, the things... And why anybody would value beer, I don't know. But that's the way the world is, is it not? It says he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Now, how many of you are familiar with the word fain? Peter's teaching children's church and so... Uh, I know I won't get his hand up, but uh, fain is one of those words, unless you look it up in a good dictionary, we, we don't use it anymore. The word fain means that it, it, it has a very complex meaning. One of the reasons we don't use it anymore is because we don't like to think about what we say, but it simply means that I love this, but only because of the circumstances that I'm in. Under normal circumstances, I would despise this thing. But because 
of the mess that I'm in, I will take this despised thing and hold it close. Here we have a young man, a young Jewish man. Jesus was speaking to the nation of Israel who was sent out in the field to feed the pigs. Nothing more important to a Jew than a pig. And here he is feeding the pigs. And he's sitting in the field watching the pigs eat the garbage from the table. They say the pig is a wonderful animal because you can take garbage and turn it into good protein. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm a Gentile. I enjoy my pork in every variety that it comes, everything but the squeal, amen? But here he is looking at these pigs and lusting for the garbage that they eat. That's what the word fame means. In verse 17, I believe it is, it says, he came to himself. This is the waster. Everything that he had was now gone. Nothing was left. Not his money, not his position, not his self-respect, not his name. This young man had wasted everything. Then he decides to go home. That's the story of the waster. Let's look at the other son. Uh, For the sake of the sermon this morning, we're not given a name. We're going to call him the worker. Where was he when the younger son came home? He was working in the field. What was his protest to his father? I've served thee these many years and never have I transgressed thy commandment. I did everything you said. You never even gave me a little goat that we could have a party with my friends. You wouldn't have much of a party with a little goat. I mean... I suppose they're not too bad to eat, but uh, you, you, I think you'd have to want to do something. To, you'd have to want to eat one very badly to eat a goat, huh? I, I guess they're not too bad, but he was the worker. He worked all of his life. You know, he was the one that struggled and sweat. Anything that needed to be done, he was there. If you were to look at the two lives of the waster and the worker, every one of us in here would say, Waster, you are worthless, no good for nothing. Boom. You don't deserve to live in the Father's house. 
You deserve what you got. Isn't that true? And we would look at the worker and we would say, I like him. Character. Out there every day, faithfulness. Serving his father. I like him. But we see another side to the worker when the younger son comes back home now, don't we? He wouldn't even go in the house. I'm not going to even bless your party with my presence. Because that son, the waster, is in there. He's not like me. He didn't serve. I served for nothing. The worker. Then the father. The willing father. Now I'll tell you what, there's been an awful lot of criticism heaped against this father by preachers over the years. Saying things like, why would the father give the inheritance to the younger son? He must have known what was going to happen. Let me tell you, it was because he was a willing father that he did that willingly. He was not the permissive, I want to be your friend, imitation father of our modern age. This father knew exactly what he was doing and exactly what was going to happen. But he willingly allowed this younger son to do what he did. He willingly went out and tried to deal with the workers bitterness against not only the son but the father for promoting him. The, the worker's bitterness was not primarily against the son. It was against the father. And I want us to understand that both sons in this story were just as lost as the other. The context of the chapter is lost things. Read the rest of chapter 15. I want you to understand that both of these sons, the worker and the waster, were lost. That neither one were commendable. (coughs) Excuse me, in their life, in their life choices, and in what they were doing, you and I would judge far different. But we're not the judges here. The Father is the judge. You see, the Father knew something. Willing service is the only acceptable answer. See, who was Jesus preaching to? He was preaching to the nation of Israel, was he not? 
You know what the nation of Israel was full of? It was full of wasters and workers. Let me tell you something. There were many more workers than there were wasters. But as you read through your New Testament, you read through the ministry of Christ, you're going to see this phrase used over sinners, publicans and sinners, And those phrases are referring to people who lived in the land of Israel like the waster. They didn't care about the laws. They didn't care about God's rules. They didn't care about societal testimony and what other people thought of them. The publicans had sold out to the Romans and were collecting taxes for the Romans Uh, They were, of course, hated and despised because those taxes made it almost impossible to live and feed your family at times. Especially if you were going to be honest and do what you should do toward God. Between the Roman taxation and the responsibilities to God, somewhere between 40 and 60% of your income was taken away from you or should have been given the part to God before you could even begin to feed your family. And you complain about taxes here. And you ought to. But, you need to understand who these publicans were and what they did. And yet, what did Jesus do? He gave the same message to both now, didn't he? You see, Jesus was telling a story that pictured lives. Do you know what the waster did with his life? Anybody want to take a wild guess? He wasted it. No big deal. Do you know what the worker did? He worked. He gave his life to get things done. He was honest. He was hard work. He was everything that you and I would admire in a human being. But I want you to take a moment this morning and look at the Father. Because what the Father did was very strange. He waited. When the waster came home... The father met him afar off. He was looking out of the house every day. And he welcomed him back into the house. Now, by the way, we're going to touch on this a little bit later, I hope. But the waster didn't stay a waster after he came home. He didn't continue in his filthy, abominable lifestyle, things had to change. But the father waited until the son came home and he willingly accepted him into the home. Under the father's degree, under the father's influence, Under the Father's direction, yea, 
under the Father's dominion. It was all going to be the Father's way for the waster from here on forward. The waster had nothing left to say except, yes, sir. Whatever you say, sir. I will do it gladly, sir. You see, the waster had a change of heart out there in the field with the pigs. Amen? The waster had an idea that when he came home, he was going to become a worker. I'll be just like my big brother. I'll serve you. I'll become as one of the hired servants. What did the father say? He said, no. You're not a servant. You're my son. And you're going to act like my son. You know, fathers get a bad rap for being inflexible. And if they're being inflexible about wrong things, they ought to. But I want you to see how inflexible this willing father was. You see, when the waster came home, he started his pre-prepared speech. Now, Dad, stop kissing and hugging me for a minute. Dad, Dad you got to listen. I, I, I'm a wicked man, and I'm not worthy to be called thy son. Make me as a hired servant. And we don't hear anything more from the younger son, from the waster, at all. He is interrupted as the father calls for the best robe. As the father calls for a ring and shoes. And by the way, uh, I'd like to put this in here. Uh, the law and the Jewish people and their tradition insisted on cleanliness. So I, I think this guy got a bath too. Now, I'll bet they scrubbed so hard that the first two layers came off. And that was good. He had been places he didn't belong. He had smelled like things that he didn't need to smell like. If he was going to be a son of the Father, he was going to be totally different from this point forward. Can I tell you how ridiculous that younger son must have felt and looked? Here he comes, haggard, beaten. Have you ever met anybody that's been in sin? They look older, don't they? They look like they've had a hard life. Sin does that to you. And here was this haggard, dirty, smelly boy with a robe that belonged to the king on it. With a gold ring on his finger and, and he was coming in and he hadn't eaten for days. He was starving. You know, when you haven't eaten and had good nutrition for days or, or weeks on end, months as the story implies at the least, possibly even years... You can't just sit down to a nice big plate of food and eat. It could kill you. Everybody was sitting there enjoying the bounty of the Father. 
and the elder son in his ill-fitting clothing and all of these things was, maybe I'd better start with just a little bowl of rice. It was going to be time before he could enjoy the things of his father again as he used to. The father waited. You see, this whole story is about the relationship with the father. And it's much easier for us to identify with the prodigal with the one we've called the waster today because it's easy for us to see horrible sins and those that are involved in them. And we love to rejoice that God has saved a sinner. Amen. But I want to challenge you the worker was just as rebellious. The worker was just as lost. The worker had refused the love and direction of his father to the same degree that the son had refused the love and direction of his father. It just played itself out a different way. You see... He wanted to be accepted on the basis of what he had done. You know, we have a lot of people today who live their whole lives seeking for what they call unconditional love. I I wish somebody would just love me for who I am. Well, let me challenge you about something. Maybe what you are is not very lovable. Hello? Maybe what you can accomplish isn't worth much in the sight of the willing Heavenly Father who willingly will let you labor and work and strive all your life and miss heaven because you're trying to earn your way there. Let me tell you something. You can't earn your way to heaven. You cannot earn the Father's love any more than you can earn the love of a human father here on earth. You know, we, we live in a world of tragedy and Mother's Day and Father's Day and, and, and even Christmas and some of those holidays are, are just filled with sorrow because they're full of memories of people who did not love me and they should have, people I didn't love the way I should have. And that's why this morning I want us to center on this story. You see, some of our earthly fathers, you just have to understand something. They're human beings. Maybe they don't have any love to give. What are we supposed to do when we meet a person like that? The Bible says we are to love them anyway. Amen. 
because it's not my relationship with other human beings that is of the utmost importance. It is my relationship with the Father. And I want to challenge you today that just as the Father in this story gave his inheritance to the younger son, and in essence, when he did that, he gave his inheritance to the elder son as well. Had to. He was divesting himself of his possessions. Let me ask you a question. Isn't that what Jesus did when he went to the cross? Did not God the Father divest himself of his possessions? Jesus did not just die for the saved. He died for the whole world. That's why we're not Calvinist. We don't pretend to answer questions God doesn't answer in his word. The inheritance has been given to every one of us. The question is, what are you doing with it? Because you only can have one of two responses, at least according to our story here. You can either waste it or try to work for something you already have. You see, the waster had to get rid of everything so he had nothing left to waste before he could come back and put himself at the mercy of his father and say, it's going to be whatever you say. How many of you remember the day you did that with our willing heavenly father? It's going to be your way from now on. That's what the Bible means when it says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And by the way, do I have to this morning just remind us that when it says there was dancing and making merry, that it was not what went on in the clubs last night. That the merrymaking wasn't dependent upon uh, 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 substances out of a bottle or a needle or, or somebody's uh, uh, carpet bag or something like this. That the merriment was joy because the waster finally gave up on being a waster. That's where the joy came from. That's where the merrymaking was. And the dancing that went on was just literally what you and I would say, jumping up and down for joy. Now, don't tell me you've never done that. All of us have at one time or another. Something has happened and we jump up and down for joy. That's Bible dancing. So don't, don't get them mixed up with what goes on in the world. The father goes out to the worker. Says, I want you to come into the house too. He said, I'm not going to. You see... The worker was still trying to earn what had already been given to him 
the days before the younger son had left on his journey of riotous living. It had already belonged to him. He had already been given his inheritance. He was too busy trying to earn it. I couldn't tell you how many people over the years I've met. Well, I believe on Jesus, but it's got to be more than that. Well, wait, how can it be more than that? How can you earn God's favor? If someone came up to you and said, I'm going to be your friend, whether you like it or not, what would you do? Well, if you had any intelligence at all, you'd run the other way now, wouldn't you? They said, but I'm going to buy you things and I'm going to do nice things for you until you like me. Would it work? No. How many remember Elvis Presley? He had his hired friends. Why do you think he ended his own life the way he did? It's because he could not experience the love of the willing father. And because he couldn't have that, nothing else meant anything. How many of us live our lives trying to waste the love and the direction of our heavenly father? Trying to shut it out with loud music and uh, obnoxious behavior. And I'm just going to be my own person. I, I want to live life. I've never met anyone that lived life on their own terms. That did not come to regret it. Will you say amen about that? The waster never works. But I'll tell you this, it's easier for the waster to realize he has nothing left to waste than it is for the worker to realize that he's never earned a cent because it was already his. God's love is there. He is the willing father of this story. The wasters were the sinners, the publicans. The workers were the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious people. Both were just as lost because they were refusing to live in the house of the Father under His love and under His direction. Amen? That's the message of this story. Now the question is, where are you? Are you trying to be good enough to earn your salvation in God's favor? I challenge you today, lay aside your tools. But it's going to be the Father's way, not your way. You're going to have to divest yourself of all of your labor and all of your gain. Read Philippians chapter 3. 
Paul said, and do count them but dung that I may win Jesus. He wasn't trying to earn his salvation. He was trying to help us understand that you've got to get rid of everything. It's got to be at the Father's direction. It's got to be under his command, under his authority. Because the willing Father will never harm you. He will only bless your life. Amen? If you, on the other hand, are a waster, let me ask you a question. How much more are you going to waste until you find out you have nothing left? How about you just give it up? But let me tell you something. It's not going to be on your terms. You're not going to be as a hired servant. You're not going to be given an opportunity to allow the pendulum to swing from one extreme to the other. You're going to have to follow the commands of the Father. You know what? The son had to wear the clothes the Father put on him. He had to wear the ring, that identification. I mean, we still use rings today as identification. We got a couple of guys here that are just can't wait to get that identification put on their finger. You know, I get one little amen there. I'm going to tell Sonia how small it was, all right? Listen, he had to be identified with his father. You know what that meant? Everywhere he went. Hey, weren't you the waster? Didn't you go out and spend all your day, your home again? Hey, you got your dad's ring on. Hey, you learned that your dad was right and you were wrong, didn't you? How many of you would like to put up with that for the rest of your life? Wait, wait a minute. How many of you were right before you got saved? I want to put up with that. I want people to know that I was wrong before I got saved. I want people to know that I had made mistakes. Praise God, I was a 12-year-old boy when I got saved. I didn't have opportunity to make some mistakes. But I'll tell you what, I've made a whole lot more than I wish that I did. Amen. I I want people to look at me and say, Ah, so, so you just depend on God for everything. Yes, I do. You, you, you'd do anything your father says. Yes, I will. Because he's right. And I'm not smart enough to know what's right. My willing heavenly father put up with an awful lot for me. I'd just like to live under his love and his direction. Amen? How about the worker? Could we pretend for just a moment that he got right? The Bible doesn't tell us whether he did or not. You know why? 
because most of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious crowd never did get right. But what do you think was the first thing the dad required of the worker? Yeah, take a vacation. But I got, but I got things to do. I, I, I mean, I got projects here and projects there. I mean, how many of you hate vacation? Because you got twice as much work to catch up on when you get back. I mean, we got to get something done. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live without the tyranny of your meeting your own qualifications? talked to a person one time and they said, well, I set my goals high so they're unattainable, but I'll get further than I would if I set them low. I said, the only problem with that is you know they're unattainable and so you never get there. And you actually will get less done than if you had set honest and real goals. And by the way, could I challenge you? I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but that not a one of us in here have enough sense to set real goals for ourselves that we'd better let the Father set the goals. Could we say amen to that, if you believe that? You see, that's what the worker had to give up. And you know what? He looked just as ridiculous if we could put these two guys together here. Here we have the waster, emaciated... Emaciated, I'm sorry. He's all scrawny and beaten up and scarred by sin in this gorgeous robe and a new, brand new ring and shoes on his feet. And you can tell that they put a lot of perfume on to get rid of the whatever was there before. I mean, he looks ridiculous. He's sitting there at the feasting table picking in a few grains of rice because his system can't handle real food yet. Talk about silly, ridiculous. And over here we have the worker. He's just as ridiculous. Because he's sitting there trying to figure out how much this meal costs and how many hours of labor he's going to have to put in to pay for it. And the father says, no, you're going to live on the bounty of the father not on what you earn. He's going to be sitting there looking at his watch, saying, and the father's going to say, hey, wait a minute, party's not over yet. Sit down, relax a little while. It's not about you. It's about me. You see, if we could learn something about church, you ought to come to church to get something to take home. But you have to understand that it's not about us. It's about the Father. I, I come to church because I want to please my willing Father. He has put up with so much for me. And he allows me to still be his servant. I, I love my Father. How about you? But he is so inflexible. He did not give the younger son time to straighten things out before he set him down at the banqueting table. 
He had to show up just as he was. Absolutely ridiculous and absurd. And if the worker stopped working, you know what? He had his jeers and things to put up with. Hey, 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 wait a minute. You told me that everything had to be done and I, I walked past the field and he said, you know what? I'm not worried about what I'm doing anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm here because the father said so. And I'm going to sit down at the table and I'm not going to worry about the things that I need to do. I'm going to worry about what he wants done. Does that sound a little more like love? You see, when you stop trying to earn love, you're free to accept it. And the reason you don't have it is because you're still trying to earn it. I would hope that you'd have enough sense not to let another human being put you under that kind of pressure. And I'm telling you, your Heavenly Father is willing to let you struggle as long as you want to until you give up and come into the Father's house. The reason we're here today is because the Father has asked us to come together and worship Him in His name. Don't raise your hands, but we're ready to move into the invitation. How many of you have accepted the love of the Father just as it is? You got saved. Born again the Bible way. Amen? But you know, there's a secondary application of this. You can still waste some of the Father's love by living your life your way and not His way. Isn't that true? You can be out there trying to earn something that God has already given you. And you can't accept His love if you're trying to earn it. I don't care what you say. It doesn't work that way. You've got to stop working so you can start receiving. Now let me ask you where you are. Are you sitting at the Father's table a willing servant of the willing Father? Or are you wasting what He's done, what He's given you? Or are you trying to earn it? Are you a worker? Both are just as far from God. Just different directions. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict us of individual sin. To show us how we've wasted, how we've insulted you through our own human efforts trying to earn it.
Lord, that we would just surrender and become the willing servant of the willing Father. Lord, this story is primarily about lost things, about lost souls who refuse to come to terms with the love of the willing Heavenly Father. Lord, my first prayer today is for someone here that is in that situation. They are not saved. They have yet to surrender their life to the love of God the Father in Jesus Christ. That today would be the day that that surrender would take place. Lord, I would believe there are many more here today who have met the Savior and surrendered to His love, but have gone back to the fields to try to earn it, or out to the gutters of sin to try to waste it. Oh Lord, that we would see today that we are to come together to please You, to bring joy to the heart of our Heavenly Father. Please, dear Lord, we ask that you would take this invitation time and be glorified in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.